We mustn't squander this period of the world's history which God has entrusted to each one of us. So my uncle was hospitalized this past week, um, and they found six plastic horses inside of his body. He claims he has no idea how this happened, uh, but the doctors, despite how crazy this seems, they're describing his condition as stable. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 151. If you're confused, uh, we start every episode with a dad joke, so I hope you enjoyed that. If you're a first-time listener, please rate and review this podcast so other people can find it. The highest compliment you can pay us is to share this with your family and friends. And if you do that on social media, make sure you tag us at Man of Food for Thought on Instagram. You can find all of our social media, ways to get in touch with us, and all of our content on our website, manafoodforthought, all spelled out, dot com. And while you're there, you can click on the Patreon tab and become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month to keep this podcast on the air because it does cost money to produce. And we thank all of our patrons for their support. And patrons uh, will eventually get perks uh, when I have my life together to do that. But it is getting closer, I promise. <laughs> so uh, thank you all for your support and your prayers. Let's get into our uh our episode, our joy junk in Jesus. That's what we're getting into. So my joy for this past week, a lot of great stuff. We got to see the DiBernardos, have dinner with them. Uh, it's been a while of, you know, them being sick, us being sick and not seeing each other. So we got to see them. Um, we got to go out to, uh, to Beaumont uh, for a, a guy in my, my guy group of friends uh, whose birthday it was for a barbecue. And while we were there, even though it's like in the Inland Empire, it was snowing started snowing while we were there just like an inch or so but it was really cool growing up in the mountains to see the snow and if you're in southern california or you know the other places that have gotten a lot of snow at low elevations you see how beautiful the mountains look and that's just been really cool to see uh, my wife and i got to have a date night we went and saw ant-man and i just had my annual physical this morning and everything is looking good so a lot a lot of things to be joyful about my junk um my daughter was was sick for a while she seemed fine, and now she has her cough again. And when my daughter has a cough, she just cannot, like, not cough all the time, even, like, forcing herself. So that's been kind of rough, but it's it's getting a little better. She's on the mend. Um, and uh, another junk, even though it was really great and really adorable, my kids got haircuts this week. And if you're a parent, you know, like, anytime your kid gets a haircut, they look, like, 50 years older. Um, maybe not 50, but, like, a few years older after. And so um, – yeah, and Hannah got a pretty significant haircut. She got this super cute, like, kind of um, layered bob, I guess you could say. She looks like Joan of Arc, um, and she acts like Joan of Arc, so now it <laughs> it fits. Uh, and then Levi just looks like a little man, and so it's just, that was really, it's really cute, but it's always hard seeing them, like, in those moments grow up. But uh, my Jesus moment has just been Lent. I don't know, how's your Lent been? Like, let me know, but my season of Lent has, has already been so good and fruitful and it's just been I think I just really gave up the right things and committed to the right things that I really needed um, both to grow closer to the Lord but also to bless others in my life and um, I think that is really important um, to be focusing not only on ourselves but on how this is going to affect our relationships you know what what version of us, you know, we are we are working toward to bring blessing to other people, how this is blessing others, and it's not just a very self-focused kind of New Year's resolution type of experience. So, um, yeah, that's that's been 
bearing fruit in my own life. So I hope that's the same for you. So without further ado, let's get into our second reading for this upcoming Sunday. Uh, and that is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, just a few verses in 2 Timothy 1. We're reading partway through verse 8 through uh, verse 10. This is what uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, Beloved, bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not according to our works, but according to his own design. And the grace bestowed on us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now made manifest through the appearance of our Savior Christ Jesus, who destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the things that stand out for me in this, I mean, there's a lot in here, you know, uh, not according to our works, but according to his design that we can't like earn our way into heaven. Uh, being reminded of the good news of what Jesus actually did to come and die for our sins, to destroy death, to bring us life and immortality through the light of the gospel. But the things that were really standing out was just these two phrases, bear your share of hardship for the gospel. And he saved us and called us to a holy life. And it just made me think about, you know, yes, Paul's writing to Timothy, who's a bishop, and he's an important leader in the church, but Scripture's also meant for us, and, you know, we're all not in those positions of, you know, high leadership in the church or authority, and we may think like, okay, that maybe this isn't for us. Maybe, you know, those people, yeah, they're called to a big holy life, those people who are on stage or in the pulpit or behind the altar or on the microphone or what, what have you, leading the ministry, but not me. You know, I have other things, you know, that I'm responsible for. And the person that was really coming to mind in this was St. Jose Maria Escriva. And he was very big on, like, making everyday activities holy. You know, like, that's, that's why our liturgical calendar has so much ordinary time. It's not because time is meant to be, like, ordinary, meaning uneventful. It's meaning to remind us of God's concern with the ordinary events of our lives and how, if we are following him, extraordinary blessing, fruitfulness, and abundance can come out of being faithful in the ordinary things of life. And so St. Jose Maria Escriva in 1967, he gave this homily uh, that's entitled Passionately Loving the World. That's a famous quote from this homily. He said this, he said, there is something holy, something divine hidden in the most ordinary situations, and it is up to each one of you to discover it. There is no other way, my daughters and sons. Either we learn to find our Lord in ordinary, everyday life, or we shall never find him. And when I think about this reading, reminding us that we are saved and called to a holy life, and thinking about bearing our share of hardship, like I think about just kind of the things that are the mundane or often difficult or, you know, trials and tribulations of ordinary life that can often distract us or that we can get caught up in, that really are opportunities for us to just be faithful and be holy. And so it, it just made me think of a lot of different ways that we could just, in our ordinary daily life, be holier or kind of baptize different aspects of our daily life to be holier um, and to bring extraordinary holiness and the extraordinary presence of God into the ordinary moments of, of our day and of other people's lives. Um, and I think the, the main thing here that I think really rises to the surface that's the most convicting is how do you as a Christian deal with mistakes, pain, suffering, and difficulties? Like how do you deal with disappointment? How do you deal with negative things? Because one of the things I fasted from during Lent is speaking negatively about others and about situations, just like kind of all negative talk. 
Um, and that's a difficult thing to really be on guard against because you don't realize how much it seeps in and how easy it is to walk that fine line of gossip or between gossip and problem solving or recounting a situation and not being overly negative, you know, and, and, and seeing the positive and celebrating the positive with joy. And, um, and it just made me realize how often I can tend to um, divert my attention to others and their mistakes versus look at mine, how often I can complain when things are inconvenient or difficult or disappointing, and how I often don't take the different pains and suffering and trials of life and offer them for others. Instead, I try and immediately find a way out of them and fix them. And I think the way others observe us, this can be one of the incredible and most profound ways that people will see that there's something different about us because, you know, everybody complains. I mean, just the, the internet itself is just a sea of trolls being negative and complaining, like if we're honest. Um, and so there's plenty of avenues and opportunities for negativity and complaining. Um, but how do we as Christians respond differently? That I think is really going to make a difference in other people's lives and help them notice. There are other small things I think we can do conversationally or throughout the day, like saying grace before meals, even when we're out in public. When people sneeze, saying God bless you instead of bless you. Just adding those little things. When people ask you how you are, one of my favorite responses is I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Because it's just, it's true. You know, we're always blessed regardless of the situation. But the people that I know in my life who uh, were always just radically holy and joyful, whether they were Catholic or non-denominational Christian or whoever, they when they answered that, like it was clear that they meant it. And it was clear that they were. When people ask you about how your week's been or how your day's been, like do you include things like, uh, oh, it's been great. I woke up, I prayed my rosary, or I went to daily mass this morning, or my weekend was great. I went to mass and there's this great homily that the priest gave and I've been thinking about it. Uh, thanks so much for asking. How was your weekend? And just sharing as if our faith was an ordinary part of our life because it's supposed to be y'all like do we uh, it's like we hide it in this little you know kitchen cabinet and it's only in those moments where we're like oh okay are we ready to have this conversation are we ready to have this meal then i'll get these dishes out of the cabinet it's like no leave that open this should be like a display cabinet in our home you know like in in, in our metaphorical home and the conversations that we bring into everyday life um I think also, uh, you know, practice praying for people you meet by name, you know, like uh, anytime I see a name tag, you know, I try and remember that name. And throughout the course of my day as I'm praying, uh, I remember those name tags I've seen. So, for instance, I went and had my physical this morning. And so, like praying throughout the day today for uh, Betty, who checked me in at the counter, for Dr. Kim, uh, for Debbie, who did my intake, who was one of the nurses there, and for Peter, who was the uh, oh, what do you call it? Phlebotomist who did my tests, um, you know, remembering those, like seeing people, really looking at them. Uh, I often ask myself after I interact with somebody, like especially in a in a more, um, what would you call it? Like transactional thing or an appointment oriented thing when you're going to get coffee, when you're going to an appointment, etc. I often ask myself after I see them, do I remember what color their eyes were? Like, was I even looking at them and really seeing them as a, as the person that they are? and taking time to be present to them? Or am I all over the place mentally where I don't even notice? Um, another thing I think we can do that's very easy, and we should do this at Mass especially because so many people don't do it at Mass, but also throughout the course of our day, is smile. 
smile. St. Therese of Lisieux, you know, she has her little way. She didn't travel anywhere extravagant. She didn't do anything really that extravagant with her life, but she had these like little ways of being faithful. And she said this, she said, miss no single opportunity of making some small sacrifice here by a smiling look there by a kindly word, always doing the smallest right and doing it all for love. We never know what kind of impact even a kind word or a smile or a compliment is going to have in someone's life. And so I think being willing to go out of our way to do those things and do them often and not waiting for everyone to come to us or serve us, but really always asking, how can I bless others today in my comments and my thoughts and my actions um, is a really beautiful way to bring this extraordinary holiness that's present in ordinary life out, you know, and, and into the world. Um, other things we can do being genuinely concerned and curious about other people's lives. I think often in interactions uh, that I'm in and that I observe, um, one person is kind of dominating the questioning and one person is dominating the answering. Uh, and and it, it, it's not often both sided, both ways, you know, and, and the best conversations it is because the people are both genuinely like interested in, and curious about the other person and wanting to know their feedback, wanting to share, but also wanting to listen. And I think, you know, think about your own interactions in the past 24 hours, the past week, you know, are, were you actively you know, seeking to understand and curious about the people you were talking to, or you're just making chit chat, small talk, answering their questions, but maybe not asking anything about their life. I'm very guilty of this when I, you know, um, you know, meet up with people. I feel like we're like, we're talking a lot, but then my wife will ask me like, well, oh, how's this going with them? And how's that? Or, or what are they doing with this part of their life? And I'm like, we didn't talk about any of those things. And part of it is maybe we just, you know, there's a different area of conversation that drew us. But part of it is also a convicting thing for me to realize, like, am I really questioning them or am I just like waiting for the next thing to respond to? You know, am I really seeking to understand them and, and know them and grow in relationship and intimacy with these, these friends or these people that I meet um, so that I'm really learning about their lives? And am I retaining that information? Like, am I making an effort to remember their names? Do I, you know, so many people the th the thing that I, I ask often and that people ask me about others often is, oh, what does that person do for a living? And I've asked this question about pretty much everyone in my life. And I cannot, for the life of me, tell you what probably 75% of the people that I know do for a living. Um, and I mean, I can barely remember what everyone does or did for a living in my own immediate family, you know? So like, uh, and that's not because jobs change a lot. It's just like, for some reason, that's not something that I latch on to. Uh, names I'm very good at and I practice them in my head and I make word associations. But for some reason, like jobs or like the thing that people spend so much time with or like the names of their spouses or children or, you know, what have you, how many kids they have, like sometimes, unless I know them really well, it's sometimes hard for me to recall in a conversation. So just having that presence of mind to like ask meaningful questions and make an effort to remember some of those details as best you can, um, can show that you're really interested in not only your ordinary life, but the ordinary life of others. And that's not something that most people are present to. Another thing is not being in a hurry. You know, so often we speed through ordinary life and ordinary time just to get to the big moments, the checkpoints of life. What's the next achievement? What's the next big event? What's the next experience? You know, vacation, travel destination, you know, uh, something I can put on my social media reel or whatever it is. And we, we rush through 
all of these things that we don't deem worth our time. But it's in those in-between moments in ordinary life and ordinary time where beautiful relationship and connection happens. And so just not being in a hurry, you know, being willing to wait in line and taking some time to look around and take it in and notice the people around you and maybe say a prayer for them. Um, thinking about what's coming up in your day while you're waiting there. When you're in a waiting room, like, you know, not worrying about how long it's going to take, planning ahead, doing something with that time and traffic and not trying to weave in and out and make things more dangerous for yourself and others, but just sitting and enjoying that silent time, not being in a hurry, listening to a book on tape or a podcast or calling, you know, a, a parent or a sibling or a friend and really just not rushing through life. I think that's a really good way people can just when, when everything around us is like going a mile a minute and we're just walking at our own pace through life joyfully, it just it stops people. They're like, why is this person like not doing what everyone else is doing and seeming so unbothered by that? Because everyone else is trying to do what everyone else is doing, keep up and go even faster and is incredibly bothered by the fact that they can't. And I think it just goes to show that if we can have this presence of mind and holiness and presence in ordinary life, having this value for the ordinary moments of life, that they really are anointed, then we can just be more present and not so rushed. And I think a big thing that we can do finally in this is thinking about the ordinary responsibilities of your day. You know, if you're a stay-at-home mom, like laundry, dishes, taking care of your kids, changing the diapers, you know, cleaning up the house, running errands. If you're, you know, in the office, you know, doing your different deadlines and responsibilities. Um, if you're a student, like your homework and getting to class and all these things, this is your set list of responsibilities. And I think the way that we can be radically present and bring extraordinary grace to out of these ordinary moments is if we are faithfully and joyfully doing the things that we're responsible for, doing them on time, professionally, and with our very best effort. It's interesting that in the Catechism, under the Seventh Commandment, which is Thou shalt not steal, uh, in paragraph 2409, it talks about all of the ways that we um, unjustly take or keep the property of others and all these ways that there are sins against the Seventh Commandment. And it lists lots of things like deliberate retention of goods that people lent or things that were lost, business fraud, unjust wages, forcing up prices to take advantage of, you know, all of these things in the business world. And then it lists, it has like in here, like appropriation for the use of private purposes of the common goods of an enterprise. And then just right in here subtly, it says work poorly done. And then it goes on to tax evasion, forgery of checks and invoices, excessive expenses and waste, like all this business stuff. But right in there, a sin against the seventh commandment in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, 2409, this three-word phrase, work poorly done. Is that something that you struggle with, procrastinating, having sloth, putting off things that need to be done today for tomorrow, and life as a result becoming more stressful for you and potentially others that are affected by that deadline and the work that needs to get done? And the same thing is true in our home life. Like they're just a list of responsibilities we all have personally, professionally, domestically, in our friendships, like things that we said that we would do, things that we're trying to commit to, groups that we want to be a part of, you know, community things we want to be involved in, that if we sign up, if we make the commitment, are we doing the things we're responsible for? Are we doing them on time, professionally, and with our very best effort? And not complaining, but doing them faithfully and joyfully. Otherwise, work poorly done 
is one of those things that might be brought up at our judgment. It reminds me of in Luke 16, where Jesus says, the person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. What Jesus is saying here is basically ordinary life is a training ground for the big moments. And if you train yourself to be faithful and say yes to the small everyday responsibilities of life during the ordinary moments, it's so much easier then to say yes to the extraordinary things, the callings from God when they come. But if we're complacent, procrastinating, if we're slothful in the ordinary moments of life, the big things are going to pass us by or they're going to seem insurmountable or too scary for us to say yes to when they come along. And so it's about having perseverance in the little things. In fact, that's something that Jose Maria Escriva says. Uh, he, he wrote this, I think, in The Way, which was a publication that he had. Uh, and, he, and he says, uh, do everything for love. Thus, there will be no little things. Everything will be big. Perseverance in little things for love is heroism. There are no little things. Everything is big. I get this so much with my children. Nothing to them is little. Like everything, even the most insignificant thing can have the biggest reaction. Oh, I put your snack in the wrong color bowl. Like that is no little thing to a child because they want this sense. They see the sense of meaning and, um, and desire or fulfillment or longing just in, in, in everything. Mother Teresa says this beautifully. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. And so it's in the small things, when they are infused with love, that great things happen, that everything is big, that there is no such thing as little things. And so what are the daily responsibilities of your life? What are the things God has entrusted to you to be faithful with? Your life doesn't need to look extraordinary and have this amazing resume for you to live a saintly and extraordinary life. In fact, there are inc incredible saints, like St. Therese of Lisieux, who really never strayed that far from where they grew up. I don't think she traveled more than like 50 miles away from the place where she was born. Um, you know, Or people who just lived the ordinary monotony of their daily life, but did it in these radically holy ways, and they're saints in the tradition. And so one last quote from Jose Maria Escriva, he wrote this in Friends of God. He said, we mustn't squander this period of the world's history, which God has entrusted to each one of us. We mustn't squander this period of the world's history, which God has entrusted to each one of us. You were born where you were born to your family in the specific place you were born. You live in the place that you live. You have the relationships that you do, the job that you do for a specific purpose. For this time in salvation history, God called you into existence for a mission and a purpose. And it may not look very extraordinary in the moment, but extraordinary things happen when we are radically faithful and joyful to the ordinary things of life. And so brothers and sisters, Bear your share of hardship for the gospel because he saved us and called us to a holy life. Live that holy life each day, bearing those hardships with joy, without complaining, not ruminating on mistakes or difficulties, but working through them with joy, seeing greater purpose, and always allowing God's presence to come out in your conversation, in the presence you bring to others, in the way that you are not in a hurry and the way that you are faithful to the daily responsibilities God has done for you, because whether has given you, because whether you realize it or not, you have a role, an important role, 
in this period of salvation history. It's been entrusted to each one of us. So let us not squander it. There will be no little things. Everything will be big because perseverance in little things for love is heroism. You are called to be a hero and you do that not by doing anything extravagant or extraordinary on paper, but by loving in the ordinary moments and responsibilities of life and doing so faithfully, joyfully, and with sincere effort. And in doing so, God's supernatural grace and presence will come to you, will be present to you, and will bless others through you. That is all I have for you, my brothers and sisters. Go out and live those ordinary lives faithfully and with joy. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.